Golden West Radio now brings you the Lawn and Garden Journal. Get your questions ready. Our toll-free line is open at 1-800-374-3315. Now, here's your host, Carla Hersena from St. Mary's Nursery and Garden Center. Good morning, everyone. Saturday, September the 18th. We're halfway through September. And it is so dark in the morning when we're up. It's this coolness. Yes, the windows were open and oh my, it got cool last night. It's hard to think that tonight or today we're going to be a warm high mid-20s. Let's see if it gets there. But what was so intense is when I came to work today, I cross the highway and I see a field that's just been uh, harvested that's in there. There's a little bit of a mist on the ground and I wish there was a little bit of tranquility because slowly, as you can see, there's a bunch of deer crossing through there, stirring up this mist. It looks so beautiful. So fall gives us this whole different at- atmosphere and aspect to what's around us. It is a pretty month, September. It is full of color, crispness, and energy. So listen to the poem called September. The sultry summer passed. September comes, soft twilight of the slowly declining year, all mildness, soothing loneliness, and peace. The fading season ere the falling come, more sober than the buxom blooming May, and therefore less the favorite of the world, but dearest month to all the pensive minds. Tis now far spent, and the meridian sun most sweetly smiling with the tempered beams, sheds gently down a mild and grateful warmth beneath its yellow luster groves and woods, checkered by one's night frost with various hues, while yet no wind has swept a leaf away. Shine doubly rich, it were a sad delight, down the smooth stream to glide and see it tinged upon the brink with all its glorious hues. The yellow, red, or purple of the trees that singly, or in tufts, or in forests thick, adorn the shores to see perhaps the side of some high mount reflected far below, with its bright colors intermixed with spots of darker green. Yes, it were sweetly sad to wander in open fields and hear, even at this hour the noonday hardly passed, the lulling of insects of the summer's night to hear where lately buzzing swarms were heard. A lonely bee, long roving here and there, to find a single flower, but all in vain. Then rising quick with a louder hum in winding circles round and round his head, straight by the listener flying clear away, as if to bid the fields a last adieu, to hear within the woodland summer's side, late fall of music, Nothing save, perhaps, the sound of nutshells by the squirrel dropped from some tall beech fast falling through the leaves. That is our September. And as we wake up this morning on the same ride down, I think overnight there was a switch in colors because the cluster of trees that are around the streets around us 
are starting to change. That abscisic acid that's in there is saying to the trees, stop. We're saving and conserving our energy. We're flowing, slowing the flow down to these leaf structures. And soon the colors are going to change to these rich tones of goldens and reds. It's that orangey color tone that is absolutely gorgeous that we are liking in our trees. We're going to go right to lines. Good morning, Helen. Good morning. Good morning. How, how are you this morning? I'm very good. Thank good. you. And where, you know what? I always forget to ask people where they're calling from. I'm calling from Emerson. Well, what's it like in Emerson today? It's sunny, still cool, but we're hoping for warmer weather. Yeah, you know today. what? Looking at some of the forecasts, it's some, yeah. some are teasing us that we might get to 28. Let's see. Right, right. I have a bougainvillea question. Okay. I brought it in from outside, and the tag that comes with it, it says it grows to like 12 inches high. Well, mine is like three feet high. <laughs> over summer and it has little flowers still on the top and on the ends yeah. i'm wondering can i cut it down yes you can okay um, how much usually when we're saying with some of these things it's like a a shrub or a tree i usually recommend taking about one third of it off okay so that you don't want to stress it too much. Right. Um, you may want to delay this because if it's still blooming and it's still kind of growing, yes. uh, bring it in. It will slowly go into a shutdown mode because, A, we can keep these tropicals like bougainvillas and hibiscus and oleanders and jasmines going. Uh-huh. But the unfortunate part, it's bougainvillea are such high, high light level plants. Okay. They, they kind of defoliate a little bit. Okay. So if you start to see them dropping leaves and getting kind of twiggy and that kind of stuff, yes. don't be shocked. Okay. Uh, what I'd like you to do is at that point, you're going to cut it back by one third. Okay. And then still give it bright light. Yes. But you're going to reduce on the amount of water that you're giving it. Okay. Okay? Mm-hmm. Because... Um, let it really dry out. Let it let it go dry between... Not to the point like a cactus or a succulent. Okay. But to the point where, yes, it dries out. Yes. And um, it's important... Do you have drainage? Yes. In your pots? Okay, yes. good. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And that was another thing. I guess I can leave it in the same pot that it came in, right? Like it's oh, only yeah. it's, it's only six inches deep and um, seven... Seven and a half, eight inches rectangle. Yes. Yeah. Maintain it in the same pot because okay. you don't want to have that excess new soil banked around that roots okay. when it's not an active growth. Okay. That all sounds wonderful. Okay. Thank all you. Right. Enjoy your day. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And this is one of the conversations that we've been having uh, that's on it is now with this nice weather, we're going to sort of give you some hints as to bringing in these tropical plants. I know the bougainvillea will sort of defoliate, and we want to get them in before they get that cold coldness where they will act like a tree and do total leaf drop. Let's go right to Maria. She's on the line. Good morning, Maria. Good morning. How good are morning. You? I'm good, thank you. Where are you calling from today? From Glenbow. Oh, hello. I think you're my first caller from there. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. How can we help you? I have a nice big poinsettia from last Christmas and I'm wondering what should I do that it blooms again. Okay, so with your blooming of your poinsettia, uh, have, it, has it been growing outside? No. no You've had it indoors? Yeah. 
Okay, so what you want to do is you want to be able to bring your plant indoors. Now, um, did you do any pruning in the midsummer no, aspect? No, not, nothing. Okay, usually when we're doing with some of the poinsettias to keep it more sort of con, uh, sort of uh, tight and really bushy, sometimes we'll do a midsummer light pinching on it to cause more branchings around the outside no, no, of it. It's beautiful. It has big branches and big. Okay. So what we want to do is, within the next probably two or three weeks, we want you to start doing a day-night neutral um, cover on it because what's going to cause your poinsettia to reset a, a blooming period is to give it darkness. Okay. In, okay. And some people will put it in a room, but uh, sometimes they'll walk in and turn the lights on for a couple hours, and then they go, oh, sh- shoot, I I didn't. It's interrupted that day-night mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I endorse that by either putting it into a closet. If you can't put it in a closet, get a nice big box and okay. put the box completely over it. Okay. So you want to have ensured darkness probably for, for, for about 12-hour period for about three or four weeks. That's okay. on there. So up okay. and down, up and down, up and down, oh, and then... Okay. Okay. It seems uh, like a lot of work, but it works. That's okay. And at the same, I have a Acelia... From, from Mother's Day, and uh, it won't bloom anymore. So, so, what should I do there? Well, with azaleas, they do sometimes take a little bit of a little bit more practice to get them to re-bloom. That's on there. Um, you know, uh, they sometimes have it. Sometimes with those two, if you're able to do a, a temperature temperature change. That's in there. So if it, you get, do get a coolness, try and change the temperature. Or maybe put it outside when it's cool and bring it in again. Or you could know. try that because I sometimes find that not only do we have plants that like to have that temper, like mm-hmm. the day-night darkness set, mm-hmm. like our mums. Mm-hmm. There's the old-fashioned mums used to have to uh, yeah. tarp them to get them dark, to get them blooming earlier. Mm-hmm. But uh, some plants, and I think azaleas, like temperature differentiation in order to do a bud set. Okay. Okay? Yeah. So it's worth the try, okay? Okay. And well, now I have a tough question. <laughs> sure, let's I, go. I grew a sweet potato this year, and it's beautiful, but when I take it out, or how long should I wait to take it out, like the other potatoes, and what should I do then? Okay, with your sweet potato, you need a lengthy time frame for them to actually produce. So when did you plant them? And beginning of June when, when, when the frost was gone. When the frost was but gone. But I bought a plant. You know, it was already 10, 15 centimeters high, so 6, 7 inch high. Okay. All right. So I would probably wait. And what does the foliage look like on your plant? <clears throat> it's purple, really nice, big. Nice and big? Yeah, I would probably, if you can, um, if they can stay in the ground a little bit longer without being hit by frost. Okay. Because sweet potatoes usually take about four months to mature. Nine, so two, that's why we usually okay. try and get it them all, started it's almost earlier. Almost four months. <laughs> almost four months. Yeah. Well, I would say with sweet potatoes, the bigger the sweet potato that you can share with your friends and make sweet potato pie and everything uh, else, oh, the bigger the, the better. <laughs> yeah, it's the first year that I try. And the the strings hook the leaves grew out, and they started rooting too. Can I take that off and plant it in in the house? Would that produce? 
I think it probably would. It probably would. If you've got slips off of it, you probably could do that. I try a few over the winter, and if if they grow, it's okay. And if not, I throw it out. (laughs) You are my kind of girl. That's exactly what I would do, too. I I want to try it, you know, and there is nothing lost. (laughs) No, there isn't. And it's something that is, it's a hobby. It's something that you can do. It's like gardening experimentation all over again. (laughs) I would give you a thumbs up and say, let me know how it progresses in the spring. Okay, thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Maria. Yeah, bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. You're very welcome. And you know what? You just got my stomach grumbling there. Sweet potato pie. Sounds good. And as we're thinking of, yes, the color changes in leaves and uh, our trees and shrubs, it's still the bounty of our gardens that we're getting from sweet potatoes. And as I look across my uh, space here, uh, my business partner, we were talking last night about some crops that did very, very well. And uh, he has a large garden that he looks after. And he was telling me that his beets turned out fabulous and his carrots have been the best this year of all the years that he's grown. And we were kind of thinking, why would the carrots be as great? Because we've seen some stories where uh, carrots have come up looking like little uh, Neanderthal kind of uh, growths that are on there. But I can look at these carrots, and they are beautifully. They are long, and they're extended that's on it. And I'm just thinking of how delicious that they're going to be in my cooking tonight that's on it but the rationale was it how were your gardens this year what were your best crops even the beets that are here the beet tops yum don't forget tops of uh, veggies and everything could be used as well so what were your outstanding vegetables this year i know that there were some crop failures because of maybe some stink bugs yeah my tomatoes had a little bit of stink bug that was on there that caused a little bit of discoloration but i can truly say my herbs did really really well my muskmelons or my cantaloupes not so well but i think it's because my rabbits in my backyard were taking most of those away but hey it's the bounty of what we've got in our yards that we're going to be able to have for the ups- upcoming Thanksgiving season. And just think of all the canning and preserving that we can have for those fresh vegetables going through for the winter ahead. We're going to go right to the uh, lines again. Abe is waiting. Hi, Abe. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How can Enjoy we help you? Enjoy your show and uh, find it very helpful. But I've got a question for you today. We've moved to a new condo area, which has a sprinkler system in the yard. And in the corner of the yard, they also have a garden uh, plot, like uh, box box gardens. Okay. We planted some cucumbers, and uh, they did very poorly this year. And I'm wondering whether uh, the sprinkler system is also hitting the garden area, and it's running four times a week. Now, whether the water pressure is washing the pollen off the flowers and not letting them set, would this be a possibility? Um, You know what? There's always that plausible or possibility that it could be there. It could be uh, if there's a lack of pollinators that are in there. And heat stress this year played a huge factor as well. Um, My own cucumber 
production was very low. The same with my zucchini this year, but I have it in a very hot sort of loca location. And just on experience, my son, who has a little bit more shadier area, but still has enough sun for production, mm -hmm. his was very well done. Um, I know that I had a tendency to have to water a little bit later on sometimes that I normally like to do. So powdery mildew was also a factor for my crop production as well. Yeah. So to, to say that it's only the one rationale that could cause less production on your, on your fruit, okay. I don't know if that would be it. But raised gardening systems, um, mm -hmm. you know, if it's a raised bed that's on there, well, um, this is also partly some on the raised garden and some on the on the basic right on the ground, yeah. right right beside it. Yeah, I don't think it would be the the sprinkler system because usually if you're looking at the shape of a a flower bud, uh, the pollen and the stamens of everything are well encased within those large flowers that's in there. So I think it was probably inconducive to the lack of uh, pollinators, maybe in that area or. Uh, the heat stress that played a huge factor for a lot of people this year. Mm -hmm. Okay. O okay. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. You're welcome, Abe. Have a good uh, good good day. Bye bye. Oh, you too. Bye bye. There is that you know it is that problematic of where things are and trying to resolve things. So it gives us opportunity always to retry different scenarios and maybe Abe, uh, if you have flowers nearby or putting some additional little blooming. Uh, flowers that are in there that are pollinators that will help you. Maybe a couple petunias that will maybe attract some of those bees that are to come by and go through uh, to get, you know, get the abundance of it. Now, have you started cleaning up your gardens? That's part of the conversation that's coming to as well. But before I go into that, um, we started off the show by telling you how beautiful the trees and, and the shrubs are changing right now. Soon we'll be busy raking, but let's not think about that yet. But I would like to mention that um, we have the National Tree Day that's coming up. We're going to miss it. It's not on the... Uh, that's uh, it's coming up midweek. It's usually September 22nd. So there's that's there's that awareness to let people know the importance of our trees in our environment. The trees not only give us that shade that gives us protection uh, for shading our houses and for shading us, but those trees also do double duty in the winter by creating wind blocks and screening and helping to hold snow in certain areas to collect that insulating factor for us. But if you're looking for some fall color, there's some beautiful ones that I really like to take note of them. And one of them that I think is beautiful that even help with our nature are looking at some of the trees and shrubs that will help some of the birds through the winter. And the summer was really hard on a lot of plants. So if you're looking for some interest of putting something in the garden, look for pagoda dogwoods, these beautiful, almost Japanese layered type of uh, branches that are on them clustered with these blueberries that are just beautiful. And of course, one of the other ones that truly stands out to me is a mountain ash. The mountain ash, either in the red tones or our orange berries, you can see them so reminiscent in late fall, even into the winter, that strong contrast of these berries held on to trees. They give us that color, the aspect that's in there, but it also helps us out with our birds. All right, Teresa's waiting patiently. Hi, Teresa. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm okay. Good. How can we help you on the Lawn and Garden Journal? I have some celery plants I cut back. And I repotted them. Would they do well inside? 
You said salvia? Celery. Oh, celery. Okay. Um, with the celery, if you wanted to uh, sort of keep them going, it's worth a try. You're going to have to um, subsidize some lighting on that because they are a high light uh, plant that's in there or a vegetable. But I would definitely try if, you, if you're not able to lift and harvest and store them for that long length of time. Why not try letting them grow a little bit longer? It keeps them fresher for sure. Right. They're already sprouted, like about three or four inches tall already after cutting them back. So I'm just wondering, do they need much soil, like for root depth? No, because in certain things, if you've actually looked on some sites where if you've harvested it on some celery or even some romaine lettuce, if you take the stump of some of those vegetables and even just use them in uh, small areas of soil, it doesn't need a big pot or even directly into... Uh, a water where it's just sitting, the bottom roots are sitting on the top of a, a moisture base, similar to an amaryllis does, uh, you can actually get them to re-grow re, um, again, So, which is kind of fun. Great. Okay. Thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. Very welcome. And that's so true. The celery's out in the garden too. I've got to get out there and get it as well. We were talking about the importance of sort of trees and shrubs. And with National Tree Day coming up on September 22nd, it's a really good time to sort of look at your trees, assess them, enjoy them, and think of all the rewarding things that our trees do for our environment around us. It's also a good opportunity for uh, when people are back in their gardens, we're looking at different types of things to do. Not only are we going to be in there cleaning and raking the leaves up, but I actually call it the second gardening season. So if you want to do something in advance and get things growing a little quicker, it's the perfect time to plant a tree is in the fall as well as perennials as well. So let's go right back to lines. Henry is next. Good morning, Henry. Good morning, Carla. Oh my gee. It has been a long, long time. You know what, Henry? I was wondering where you were. (laughs) Honest. You know what? Uh, I get up every morning. I take the free press. I check the obituaries if I'm in there. If I'm not, then I start the day. (laughs) (laughs) Henry, you know what? But anyways, Carla, I I listen to you, and I've been meaning to phone. I tried to phone last week, but there was... There was a lady there. She talked for 25 minutes, you know. And But anyways, uh, bless her heart, you know. She had concerns. But last fall, I asked you two questions. Yes. Did you ever find out what those plants were? Okay, you have to refresh my okay, brain. Okay, one <laughs> is a kind of a, it grows like a wild rhubarb. And in fall, it sends out these big clumps of burrs. Oh, that could be... Um... Uh, you know what? I did have that marked. There is a um, toxic plant that's kind of gives off. If you touch it, it could be burning. A uh, wild docket or something that's in there. I, yeah, you want to be careful with some things like that. But you that's don't know the it. name. No, I will. You know what? I will definitely. So it's still, so it's still wild rhubarb. It's. I. You know what? There could. There could be. There is a wild rhubarb that is called ruum. It is in the perennial family. That's in it. So there is a, definitely a wild root, uh, rhubarb, but there's also a plant that kind of looks like it, but it has a toxicity to it 
it causes burning. So I don't want you to go yeah. grabbing no, everything No, but this else. thing, you know, I, I, last year I found a plant that was eight feet tall, and it had these tons of these burrs. When I cut it down I, and, I, and I burnt it, I was scared to touch it because if I got uh, hooked on it, I'd be stuck there forever. Yeah, do not. It sounds more like the toxic plant that you should not be touching rather than the ornamental rhubarb. So cautious, stay awake. Somebody said, I think it was burlock or something like that. Yes, that's it, burlock. That's what it is. Other question was, you know, I told you about that wild cucumber. Yes. It's kind of a runner, and it grows these, like, tiny little watermelons with burrs on it. And there's millions of them. You know what? This year, all of them that were growing, they all dried up because I guess there was no moisture. Yeah, that's cucamelon. The little cucamelons are, they're actually, they look like little tiny baby watermelons, and they are quite tasty. Yes, Yes. the cucamelons are quite nice. They're quite a long crop to grow, but they do need special care to uh, keep things growing. They just grew along the river, and there was a small maple tree, and it covered that maple tree totally. And this year, I seen the vines start growing, and it kind of dried up, and that's the end. But anyways, I have an actual gardening question for you. Uh, our friends here in Lorette, CS, uh, CNS Gardens, gave us 39 catnip plants when they were cleaning up their plants in, uh, in the beginning of summer. And uh, so my cats, I, I had 72 cats in spring. Uh, kind of dwindled down now, but the cats just love the catnip. I would cut it down, and it keeps growing. Now, I was told it's a perennial. Is it a perennial? It depends on the variety that you chose. There are some, like Nepeta catecharia is a perennial, but there are some uh, varieties of catnips and catmints that are not totally hardy to our area. So... I would, if you, they will probably come back. If not, I would recommend that if you allow some of it to go to seed and if it stays in that area, your chances are that you'll probably not get the mother plant, but you'll probably get growth from the seed. Yeah, you know, because uh, it never had a chance to seed, but I cut it down level with the uh, uh, pots and it's growing again. Now, I was going to plant it and see what happens over the winter. If it dies, well, I, I've, uh, uh, you know, I gain nothing. But if it grows, then I'm going to have 39 catnip plants in spring. Well, you know what? Even with catnip now, because with cooler temperatures, the other thing is, um, A, yes, you have to get it out of its pots and plant it into the garden soon. Because if it is the perennial type, we want fall planting is actually great because the ground is still nice and warm. Yes. Throw some bone meal or some good nutrient source for enhancing root development that's yes. on there. And you may, it depends on how long the season goes, you may get a little bit of more blooms off of those. And if you do, let them try and set as much seed as you can, okay? Well, you know, with our cats, there's no way it's going to bloom. <laughs> but, you know, I would cut it, and I had two big boxes, and I'd put the catnip in there. The cats would go there. They would roll in it. They would eat it. And then they would their eyes would become glassy like they passed out. I, I can contest to that. We have four cats here, and when we seed catnip, they find those trays. Oh, they do. <laughs> Would you like a few more cats there at the garden center? No, I, you About know what? A dozen? 
Mm, I'm going to kindly say decline. <laughs> oh, oh, but you know. That is a lot of cats. Oh, yeah, but it's been so nice to 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 hear you on the, on the radio, and I figure I have to phone, and, uh, and uh, nice talking to you again. Henry, it was so nice to hear your voice after a little bit of an absence. So yes, back I'm you. sorry about that. That's okay. That's okay. I'm just glad that you're Do you you're ever still hear listening. from my uh, friend Art? Uh, I think I maybe uh, maybe half a year ago or something. That's yeah, in there. he he always yeah. talks about his winter garlic. He says he's got garlic. There's snow on the ground and it's coming through the ground. Oh but, wow! But he's the only one in Manitoba. Oh well, you know what? <laughs> Between you and Art, we'll keep it going, okay? <laughs> okay. Take care, Carla. Nice hearing from you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Wow. It's nice to hear from everyone that's learning about growing, so even some young gardeners and to the ones that have been listening for a long time. I appreciate your listening. And as I always like to say, we if we don't know together, we'll grow together and we'll learn together. That's one thing that gardening is. It's a community of people that are coming together with experiences, whether it's something that your grandmother taught you. And I think the knowledge of teaching younger gardeners and seeing the history and talking about the stories, the stories behind gardening, it makes you smile. It gives a little twinkle to your eyes because that is something that it, is truly a, a kind of a blessing in its way. You you just keeps growing and it gives you energy. Wow. Think of the energy and the exercise that you do. You don't realize how much energy and the muscle building that you do from the repetitive actions and from lifting, tilling, planting. It is truly the best hobby to be in. I'm a little biased. So as we go back, we were talking about fall planting and whether it's Henry that's putting it back in the garden or we're lifting and dividing. These are tasks that you may want to do. And the rationale between lifting and dividing perennials, if some plants have hit a maturity where you see that they are in their seventh to ninth year, yes, they get tired. The The space, the root-bound capacity of that plant needs to be rejuvenated and the way that we rejuvenate our plants that if they hit a huge maturity especially perennials lift divide clean aerate the root systems a little bit by opening them up and you will see the rewards of beautiful new growth that's on it and this is also the opportunity if you're lifting dividing I know uh, I have a brother whose garden is getting bigger and bigger because he loves the plants he doesn't want to uh, he's given some away. He doesn't want to compost some. So what does he do? He makes more garden beds. And yes, beautiful. So if you have the space to do it, yes, do it. Now, fall gardening, whether you're doing it for the lifting and dividing, or there may be some aspects that you see new perennials that you want to introduce, because this is the time too when you're looking at your landscape, whether you have the look that you want. And in the landscape design aspect, you have spring, you have summer, you have fall. These are three types of gardens in essence. So we're looking at and assessing and sort of saying, do I have a beautiful fall display? And sometimes it's the introduction of ornamental grasses. Uh, What some of my favorites are the Carl Forster grass that looks like our rendition of the prairie wheat. But there's also a few other favorites that are in there in the miscanthus, the flame grasses. Because these are the grasses that, yeah, we're the prairies. It looks like wheat. But they also sustain beautiful 
um, motion in the in the winter. They hold horror frost or the frost aspect of it, and it gives you some character to the garden for viewing. It's beautiful to look at that. Now, cleaning up the garden is going to be coming. There's one thing, and I'm just looking at my sheets here, is sort of a little bit of garden tips that we have to be proactionary on, is we are in the the cuspus of getting the tree banding done. So if you're in the area where canker worms were kind of uh, uh, an issue, we want to prevent that. And now if you know what tree banding is, it's that uh, banding tissue that's insulated that you actually put your sticky paste that's on it. So it's kind of this gooey stuff. And the rationale behind the tree banding is most of the flies and everything or the moths have gone into the ground. They are going to pupate into a larva, I assume, which are going to climb up your trees and harbor in the tree for where their food source is going to be for the next spring. We want to break that cycle. It's almost like cleaning up when, like, you know, when we're always saying a rotational crop or doing something to prevent that bug or disease that's coming back. So tree banding, so get out your bandings, go to your garden centers and protect your trees. You want to be able to put the banding up about chest height so as they crawl up, they're going to get stuck. The sticky paste, it basically looks like super intense, struggling, super thick honey that you're putting. Okay, don't use honey, use Tanglefoot or this tree paste that's on it. And as the insects crawl up, it will get gooey. Don't be scared if you're a bugs, but it's going to get encased with these bugs that are on it. If you find that it's going to get, if you're catching a lot, you can do a little bit of a scrape with a spatula and reapply before freeze up. But your banding should be done prior to the first heavy frost. So that's telling me sometime now. All right. Now, the other aspect about this, another little tip that's happening, is it's a good time to sort of look and see what's in there because there's a lot of trees that have uh, leaves that are curling right now, and this is because people are coming in and showing us some of the trees and shrubs, curl, er, early premature curling on some of the leaves, and as they bring us the sampling, yes, we uncurl it, and we're seeing larvae already in the trees. So that's a little shout out. Let's get it going. Now, when we want to take a step back, and I think it's important because this is going to be a beautiful weekend. Trees and shrubs, patio plants that are coming indoors. I'm talking about hibiscus, oleanders, uh, palm trees. This is a beautiful weekend where we're going to start saying that there's a regime where we want to get them indoors. Use that nice garden hose. Give them that fresh wash. Blast off anything that may be kind of lingering on the foliage. And don't forget the undersides. Tip it over and blast the bottom sides of these leaves too as well. Because just think. If I put a huge leaf above my head, it's like an umbrella. It's going to break some of that moisture and flow right off. So if I was a bug, where would I want to stay? On the underside of the leaf. Wash those off too as well. Now, do that, and then you'll probably want to do a little bit of an insecticide spray or an application spray, something that's soapy. Uh, I like using Endol because it is a, uh, a fast-acting miticide insecticide that's on it that helps to remedy it, then you're going to want to bring your plant indoors. Now, don't forget about the soil. How many times have you lifted up a pot that's on the ground and you see cell bugs or something that's under there? You want to do an application of an insectocidal soap or diatomaceous earth, that will deal with that. All right, there's your tips for bringing in your plants for this weekend. 
Thank you for listening to the Lawn and Garden Journal. We've learned together. We've giggled together. Enjoy the weekend while it's nice and sunny. Bye-bye, everyone. Mm.